Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 217 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Audi Q5 plug-in hybrid, the Volvo C40, the 21, 2021 Ford Explorer, BMW i4, Mercedes-Benz augmented reality heads-up display, and AAA studies ADAS functionality in bad weather. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 217 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abuel-Samage from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin from True Car. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Engadget. And this week, uh, Nicole is sitting here in my basement with me because she's here in Michigan to drive a whole bunch of cars over the next few days uh, in her role as a juror for Nactoy. Juror. Yes, a juror. So now I'm in his his basement with his fancy green screen. I feel like I'm like seeing behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. Like, ooh, this is what it looks like here. <laughs> is it? Are you in a rural area? Are you a rural juror? Am I a what? A rural juror. A rural juror. I'm in a rural area right now. Yeah. I wouldn't call this rural. It's sort of suburban. Yeah, but right. I think of you as being like, somehow I put you in Detroit, so I put you like, <laughs> I put you downtown in my head, basically, okay. is what I did. So it's rural compared to that. No, it's a nice, it's like a suburby. Yeah. It's nice. He's got a mid-century modern thing going in his house. It's pretty cool. Fancy. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's start with Mr. Baldwin. What Ooh. have you been driving? I went to Belgium. Uh, home of chocolates, uh, sprouts, and waffles. Did you get all those things? I didn't get any sprouts. I did get some waffles and some chocolate. I ate a waffle. And, of course, the fritas, their their french fries. They they love their french fries. With the mayonnaise? I didn't get mayonnaise because I don't like mayonnaise on french fries. It actually makes me uh, not, like, want to vomit. It actually makes me want to vomit. Uh, I don't eat that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the hot french fries and then the mayonnaise poured on top is just... uh, (laughs) Um, I've I've never understood that I know growing up in Canada A lot of my friends like to have uh, Gravy on their french fries And that was pretty cool I knew a few people that liked mayonnaise on fries Nah 
I, I didn't know it would make me ill until I was in line for French fries at a, uh, a spot in Amsterdam. And I'm like, what is that smell? It's making me sick. Did they put the fry thing next to the toilet? And like, is there been a toilet accident? And no, it was just the smell of mayonnaise being poured on the warm fries. Uh, that's no, if you like French fries and mayonnaise, that's fine. I don't care. Um, but I will tell you that it does, it, it makes me uh, ill. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere around it. Anywho, I was in Belgium <laughs> <laughs> to drive the, uh, Volvo C40 recharge. It, this is their latest, um, EV. It's based on, it's not based on, it's essentially the XC40, uh, recharged or tiny little SUV with a fastback. Um, it's actually, uh, so it's a shaved roof XC40. Yeah. It's a shaved roof XC40 <laughs> with a tiny, with a tiny little wing on the back. A cute little, uh, a cute little wing. Um, and you think that like, oh, well, it just looks like a fastback. That's fine. It actually is, uh, more efficient. It's 6% more efficient because of that whole shaved back and, that, the and, arrow? and the arrow and that tiny little wing. So it has a little bit more, it has a few more miles of range. Uh, it's up to, sorry, I should have got my notes out. It's up to 225 miles of range. I believe the XC40 is like 222, 223. So you're getting a little extra something, something. It's also two-tenths of a second quicker from zero to 60. It's 2.5 seconds instead of 2.7. Uh, it looks cooler. It's a cooler-looking XC40. Um, in the front seat, everything's essentially the same. Everything's what you would expect to, you know, if you've been in the XC40 recharge, you're going to see this in the XC4 or in the C40. Um, it's in the back seat where if you're tall, if you're about 6'1 or taller, your head is going to hit the roof. Oh, um, I'm I'm 6'3 and it was right there on it, and so I, I'm assuming if you're 6'1 and you hit a bump, you're gonna thunk, you're gonna hit the <laughs> you're gonna hit the roof. Um, so that's sort of a bummer. It's but it's also lower. It's lower than the uh, XC40, but it's not. Uh, it that's from the top, so you're you, you still get like about the seven inches of of ground clearance from the from the bottom of the vehicle, but the top is about two and a half inches lower. So it's a little bit sleeker, it's a little bit quicker, it's a little bit more efficient, and it you have about half the amount of rear uh, visu visibility. Uh, <laughs> so when you look in the rear view mirror, um, it's not, yeah, you're not seeing a lot. You're seeing like the bottom of cars. I you're selling this really well, Ronnie. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, it's my way is to tell you all the things that are wrong with the car. Mm -hmm. um, but it is still, I mean, the XC40 recharge is a fun car to drive. It's a sleeper as far as I'm concerned. You know, it has 400 and some, you know, hold on, hold on. Get the numbers, get the numbers. 402 horsepower, 487 pound-feet of torque. Um, that's a lot of torque for a tiny little uh, SUV. You throw that in the C40, you get a, a, a much cooler-looking vehicle. Um, you get that same torque, you get that same horsepower, and it's a fun thing. It's a fun little car to drive. I wish we had had some more dynamic roads in Belgium. Um, if you're not on the uh, on the freeway in Belgium, you're driving through a tiny town, uh, so you can't really... But I did, uh, you know, speed it up a little bit while going uh, on the on-ramps <laughs> and the off-ramps. Uh, it's yeah, it's a both of those vehicles are, are they're surprisingly quick. They're surprisingly fun to drive. Uh, again, you're you're a bit lower, so that's nice. Um, if you're tall, I mean that's just a tall person's uh, curse. To be honest, um, sitting in the back of anything is always either going to lose headroom. So, so you're or saying room. it's a curse to be tall? 
It is a, well. <laughs> I mean, I can reach things in regular life. I just can't be the passenger in the back of a car in for the most part. Just not I a car life. I can't own a Miata. I mean, I can, but I can't drive it when with the top up. I have to, uh, you know, I have to have drive with the top down. Uh, the Fiat 124, I have to drive with the top down. I'm sure there are other cars that I just don't fit into that I haven't even tried. I just look at it and, uh, oh, I was, I almost had a chance to sit in an F1 and the driver looked at me and looked at the car and just shook his head. <laughs> no, really? Can you get into a Corvette? Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't tried the new one though, so I'll, I'll give it a go. It's, some cars are surprised, have surprised me a, a, a lot, a lot of legroom. Some, prize, some cars have, uh, Surprisingly, very little legroom. Uh, American trucks for a long time were just never, never felt like they cared about tall people. Really? Because trucks feel so big. Yeah, but for some reason, the legroom was just, they just never, I don't know. American trucks always felt like I was driving, I don't know. So, <laughs> back to the C40, all wheel drive, autumn electric, uh, 78 kilowatt hour. You get 75 kilowatt hours every day, uh, 150 kilowatts. Uh, uh, DC fast charging compatibility, so you can charge it really quickly. 225 miles. It's not up there with the uh, with the Kona or with the Bolt or with the Mach E, but it is you know a pretty nice fancy Volvo. It's just you know you're losing about 30 miles though on your everyday drive. Again, most people don't drive more than 60, 80 miles a day, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal. It's no you know it's not like the Mazda with 100 miles. This is you know more than double. So. Um, yeah, second, third car actually based on this platform using the same bits underneath the same, you know, it's the, the Polestar 2, the XC40 Recharge, and now the C40 Recharge. All three of them I am a fan of um, when it comes to, to, to driving. They just uh, just don't have tall friends. It's, it's really, are, yeah. Are, are they doing uh, a single motor version of the C40 or just uh, the dual motor? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. They might just have the single version. I mean, it's a niche car from a niche brand. So, it's, you, you know, you, you already have the XC40, which is sort of their, like, mass, you know, EV. I think the C40 is more of, uh, more niche. Uh, Volvo's a niche brand. I don't think they're going to make too many different uh, variants of this um, just for the sake of, you know, how many they're going to sell. Okay. Nicole, yes. what about you? I was in the 2021 Ford Explorer XLT four-wheel drive. Uh, so I had a big car. Uh, this has a 2.3 liter, 2.3 liter EcoBoost i4, 300 horsepower, 310 pound-feet of torque, 10-speed automatic transmission. Um, I always feel like these big cars, You, you I, I always wonder, like, is it going to feel like I'm driving a tank that has, like, a lawnmower motor in it? But this moves. It's a big vehicle, but it doesn't feel that big. It, it's responsive. You get in the highway. It's not going to win any races. It's not super performance or anything, but it's it's competent. It, it feels, you know, you, you don't feel like you're worrying about that car coming up in behind you as you're trying to merge into traffic. And it is roomy. It feels huge inside. I don't know if it's just because it's very... It's very boxy. There's nothing sleek or performancey <laughs> or refined about this. It's like great big SUV in your face. Um, so it's huge. Uh, and it's also not as crazy expensive as you might think. It's $45,000. So, I mean, it's not like it's cheap, but yeah. also forty five grand for that much car, it's a lot of car. Uh, so I was overall pleased with it. I still have this thing with, and it's a Ford thing. And now like I'm going to be on someone's like assassins list for saying this, but um, 
I don't feel like their interiors are ever as nice as I want them to be. They're always just like a skosh less refined. Like I want that one plastic surface to be a soft touch surface. I want that one thing that looks like it's it's chrome but is fake plastic to look more like chrome and not fake plastic. So they never feel like they get it. They just Their interiors just don't live up to my expectations. But the drive does. I thought driving it was nice. Uh, I did quite a lot of driving back and forth on the highway, um, which was good. You know, even in really heavy traffic, it's nimble enough that it's still easy to sort of cut in and out when you've got that heavy traffic and nobody knows where the heck they're going downtown. Like in Boston, it was easy to drive around, which is saying something because that city is insane to drive through at certain times of the day. Uh, so I felt like it was overall a good vehicle. I was pleased with it. But like I said, the thing that always lets me down, and it's a Ford thing, the interiors never quite do it for me. Yeah, I can, I can definitely agree with that. Um, you know, I had the same thing last week when I was driving the Escape plug-in hybrid. Um, that interior doesn't feel quite as premium as what you would expect, you know, for a $43,000 <laughs> crossover. Is that how much that is, 43000 That one was, yeah, because that was the titanium. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. I mean that that is a Ford thing, uh, and it's it's a little unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they could if they could just step that up. Just not even like it's not even like it's terrible if they could just step up their game like this tiny little bit. It would make a huge difference in what it feels like to drive those. Suddenly you think, oh my gosh, Ford nailed it. But you look at the interiors now, and you're like, eh, Ford kind of did it. Like drive fine, roominess spaciousness features all that fine but like the just the quality of the interior like wah, wah, wah. it's not never quite what i want it to be <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have i have something i want to talk about when it comes to the ford interior and that's the blue that they use for the infotainment system i know it's the corporate blue i know it's on brand but i just i don't know it feels really dated and i don't really like the blue i like like it feels four. Like, it feels like an old computer. i get what you're saying it's like an old computer the blue but it yeah. is their official blue. So what do you then what do you do? What if your official like your blue, the blue that you officially use is an outdated old looking blue? That's the problem with 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 branding. Well, here's the thing is that BMW, they have a blue. Um, they don't use it in their infotainment system. So what you're telling is Ford needs to change the color of their infotainment system. Just the infotainment or give you an option. Just something else. So they would call it traditional Ford Blue, outdated, new Ford Blue. Looks cool, and it'll, it, it would look like, you remember Coca-Cola Classic? <laughs> like you could have a Ford, Ford Classic and then new Ford. And then everyone would get all angry. But nobody and then they would go like back. new Ford. Right. Everyone would but be then mad because nobody go back liked to... new Coke. Everyone hated new Coke. So everyone's going to hate new Ford. Yeah, but then everyone could yell at me and then Ford would have a, a PR and win. And then everyone like, would be so tried. excited. They'd be so excited to go back to old dated Ford. It'd be like, yeah. now old dated Ford is cool because new ford was awful <laughs> you know i i have i have the same complaint about the the instrument clusters when they do the digital instrument clusters they use that same blue not just in the infotainment but in the instrument cluster and it's even more dominant in there uh, and when i was driving the um the mach e uh gt with blue cruise you know again they've, they've got that that blue you know it's it's all blue and the interface when Blue Cruise is active, or when it's when you can use, when you can enable it, it's not. It doesn't stand out as much as it does on a GM vehicle with Super Cruise. And I, I, t- I complained to Ford about that, and they they said, yeah, that's that's a legit complaint. And so it wouldn't surprise me if you know they start making some changes to that in the next couple of years. It's all going to be because Robbie said now that he doesn't yep. like it. That's a hundred percent. Sorry, sorry, Ford. 
I no, like I the feel new, like the new the new sync system's great. It's no, the new sync that's that's a huge improvement. The, the blue. Old, the old one was that was definitely worth kicking to the curb. No, the Something new sync else. system is really good. But you're right though, the color I never really thought about it, but it does make it look dated even though it's the system itself is not. The system itself is fine. Yeah, yeah. It's just that blue color. It's like a Windows BIOS screen. Now I'm going to be thinking that every time. I never th- thought of that until you Sorry. said it, and now it's all I can see. <laughs> and I, I apologize to all the Ford owners out there who are like, damn it. <sighs> now they're all going to see that. That's all anyone's going to see. And some poor tech guy at Ford is shaking his fist going, Robbie, no. No. Well, we, we actually have a, a Q&A question from a listener later that um, addresses uh, the, the feedback thing with, uh, with all manufacturers, but in particular with Ford. But we'll, we'll come back to that later in the show. But to, to your comment about the, the price of this thing, you, know, you can actually get Explorers much more expensive than that. Like, you, know, you, can, you can get a Platinum up close to 60 grand. But the Platinum, okay, so the interior and the Platinum, I mean, their, their higher trims do look better, for sure. But how much, like, are they $60,000? Is that what you're talking about? Almost end? sixty, yeah. I don't think I've ever been in an Explorer, even a fancy one that felt like it was worth 60000 Like, 44900 and cut off 10 i'm gonna go with 10 44,910 i was okay with that and just was like oh the interior is not quite there but 60,000 i don't think they have a 60,000 dollar interior no that especially you know when you compare it to you know competitors like the kia telluride which oh you know God, a maxed out so telluride good. is about 48 or 49 and that thing looks beautiful see they do, they do the reverse they give you you look at that car and you think i think this should be more than what the monroni says it should be an extra 5 or 6 or 10,000 depending on the trim you're at there you sit down and you're like okay kia you totally delivered this interior is gorgeous like see that's the thing like would you get so would you get the telluride or would you get the explorer which one would you get guys you have to pick I oh, telluride <laughs> Tell you right, it wasn't. I would probably go with the Kia. Yeah, yeah, that was an easy one. See, yeah. so there you go. There's the whole answer. Uh, We're all you know, like, forget it. Unless you want a more performance-oriented one, you know, and to and you want to go with the ST, the Explorer ST, or you want more fuel efficiency and you go with the hybrid. But for anything other than that, yeah, Kia. I'd probably go with the Kia. Kia would win. See, that's that's why this doesn't work because for forty-five thousand dollars, you can get yourself a Kia with more stuffs. I have the Kia Carnival right now, and it's it's not it, it might not even be the material. It's how they it's how they use it. It's how they present it. Like those little those little like waves that they have in the material. Does that? I mean, that's just it doesn't have to be some you know tree that they've cut down and I don't know whatever yeah, I mean, crazy I, story I, someone I tells the... you about a tree, and you're just like, oh, this is just plastic, but it feels really ni- it feels and looks really nice. Yeah, I, I drove the carnival a bit last week during the uh, the Mama Rally at, at Road America, and you're right; it it does feel significantly more premium, you know, especially at that price point. Yeah, I thought the carnival was really good. I had that back in May, I think, so it's been a little while since I drove that. But once again, the interior in that thing it always Kia's, especially once you hit like the mid range of the like even the base trims in their lineups. When you hit like mid to the higher end of their trim levels in any given vehicle. Suddenly, they look like they cost so much more than they actually do. Like, I don't know how they do that. I don't know what magic, what little magical Kia elves are able to do this and other car companies can't. But Kia does it every time. The Carnival does it, too. It's amazing. Carnival. Carnival. All right. So, 
I had, uh, and actually still have until tomorrow morning, the Audi Q5 plug-in hybrid. So this is Audi's you know, compact crossover, not their smallest crossover, which is the Q3, uh, but the kind of the mid, the upper, or lower mid size. Um, and uh, this is, you know, it's a plug-in hybrid which I drove to Wisconsin last week. Uh, so didn't really get to leverage the plug-in part of it too much. The, the one I have is a 2021 model, which has a 14.1 kilowatt hour battery pack. Uh, and it's officially rated at 19 miles of electric driving range. <clears throat> but uh, I drove it, uh, I, I took it out on Saturday, charged it up fully, and took it out for uh, a, just a test in EV mode. I actually got 23 miles out of it before the engine came on. So it did a little better than the, and that's in a mix of urban, suburban, uh, light highway driving. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not bad. Although, you know, for that battery size, that's about, you know, just over half of what I got from the Escape the week before, which has a similar size battery and is a similar size vehicle. But the Escape only has about 200 horsepower. The uh, the Audi has 362 horsepower combined from the two liter turbocharged four cylinder and the 100 horsepower electric motor. So it's got a lot more both gas and electric power to work with. So it, it does feel quite a bit quicker. Um, the 2022 models get get a refresh and they actually get a bigger 17.9 kilowatt hour battery which bumps the EPA rating range rating up to 23 miles of electric range. So if, you know, if it behaves similarly to this one, you could conceivably get 26, 27 miles of electric driving out of it. Um, you know, even, you know, 23, you know, is going to tackle most of your daily driving probably, um, in electric own electric only mode. And then once, um, the, the battery is depleted. Uh, you're in hybrid mode. Over the course of driving about 800 miles to Wisconsin and back, I averaged uh, just about 30 miles per gallon with it. So, you know, for something with 360 horsepower, that's it's pretty impressive. It's not not bad at all. It'll do zero to 60 in about five seconds. Um, and like any most any premium German vehicle. Uh, if you're doing long highway drives, I mean, you know, this thing was designed for the Autobahn. Uh, it, it's great. You know, it's comfortable, smooth, quiet, refined. Uh, it, it's, it was a very pleasant drive, you know, for a six-hour stretch from here to Elkhart Lake. Uh, so that, that part was good. Um, the infotainment system uh, is um, Audi's shifted uh, a few years ago away from the, the central MMI controller to touchscreens. Unlike the higher-end ones, they, like the Q7 and the, um, the A6 and uh, the e-tron, <clears throat> it, uh, it doesn't have the ha- it's only got a single screen, not the dual screen setup that the higher-end Audis do, and it doesn't have the haptic feedback, which is fine. Uh, I can live without that. It does have support for Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, um, and that works well. And even the, even the base system works fine. Although I've, I've always been a little dubious about, they include, um, Google earth data in the nav. So you can switch between a standard map view, which is not Google maps or a Google earth satellite view, which really when you're driving just, you know, in the instrument cluster it, or even in the center stack, it just looks kind of cluttered 
and it's, it's too not much. really useful for navigation. How helpful is it's that? Too like, much. like, here's the mountain not at all. beside me. I don't know that I need that when I'm driving. Yeah. It's, a, it's a gimmick, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, dra- dra- like, going around my neighborhood here, all you see is green because of all the trees. You know, the satellite images are taken in the summertime. All right, finally. Trees, trees everywhere. I live in a, you're driving around in a forest, so you can't really tell where you are anyway, so... Uh, but I mean that's a minor quibble. I mean you, you don't you don't have to enable that. Uh, but other than that, you know it's a that's a really nice premium plug-in hybrid crossover. Uh, it's it's roomy. Uh, you know back seat's got plenty of room. Uh, you got lots of uh, cargo space in the back. Uh, it's oh and it's all-wheel drive. Uh, it's Quattro. That's the only way it comes with that. The starting price uh, for um, for the 2022s is 54,600. The one that I drove, which was still a 21 model, uh, came to a grand total of $60,740, uh, including the, uh, $1,095 destination charge. And, um, let's see, it also had $1,500 navigation package, uh, and the $950, uh, Bang & Olufsen sound system. And, Unlike the B&O sound systems that you get in Ford vehicles now, those are actually not really Bang & Olufsen. Those are B&O Play, which a few years uh, back, about seven or eight years ago, Bang & Olufsen created the B&O Play brand as a lower-end, an entry-level brand for Bang, for Bang & Olufsen. Uh, and then they, after about three years, they sold it off. They sold off the B&O Play brand to Harman. So... There's Bang & Olufsen, which is the really premium audio. Right. And then B&O Play is owned by Harman. And it's it's still decent, but it's not Bang & Olufsen. I never it's knew a the, trick. The cha- I knew that Bang & Olufsen <laughs> did the B&O, but I never knew the, the background. Yeah. Okay. There you go. If so, you see Play, you're not getting the real B&O system. Yeah. You're paying for a name that someone else owns. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's the Audi Q5 plug-in hybrid, which also with the, the refresh for tw- the 22 models, uh, has actually been renamed slightly. It's now for 2022, it's the Audi Q5 TFSI E. So, so that's so much easier to remember. What is TFSI? Uh, TFSI is their branding. It's, it's their equivalent of EcoBoost. So it's, Was uh, it it's an, something? yeah, it's an acronym, uh, turbocharged, uh, Fuel and it's actually a German acronym, but basically it's turbocharged direct and direct fuel injected. So it's very German because it's a long acronym. Yes. Because German words are long as well. Yes. Okay, now that all makes sense. And and then you know, then of course you have to add the the e on the end because it's a plug-in. Right. Just e. One more letter. Plug-in. Yeah, because it's all it's capitalized and then just little lowercase. Yes, e. lowercase e. <laughs> Tiny tiny e. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that is the garage for this week. Uh, let's see. What do we got next? Um, dun, dun, dun. Oh. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. 
there's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Uh, Roberto, yeah, you drove me. the BMW i4. Oh, and I can talk video about is it. Online. Finally. Yeah. I, I, okay. So I expected it to be a good car i4 bmw's been doing evs for a while it feels like they were sort of i don't know stuck for a little while you're just like well we got the i3 now what and they just kept talking about this modular uh factory and how they were going to be able to build everything on the same you know they have one platform to rule them all that you could put everything in there it's like okay all right and we just heard that for years and years and years and then the i4 and the ix come along you're like oh okay cool we'll drive these this will be fine um the i4 is outstanding it is such a good car. It's re, it's I was I was really impressed at how well it drives. I was really impressed at how well they sort of I don't know I don't know if you want to say hide the heft of a battery pack, um, but you know you you, uh, you it is it, I I really really liked it. That's that and I I I, uh, I I try not to be too excited about things because you know. Well, just to just to temper things a little bit, how'd you th- how'd you like the grill? Uh, it it grows on you. How's that? <laughs> oh no, it gets bigger. It grows on oh, you like Lord. a plague. I I didn't hate it by the end of the week. Um, I I went to Germany to drive this. I drove this in the IX. Um, so I drove it around Germany. I drove it on the autobahn. Drove it in I don't know some mountains. Might have been the Alps. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> at some notes. point, um, they gave us the uh, the the I four M fifty. So it was an M vehicle. So it's the very first M. Uh, electric BMW, and it deserves it. It deserves its M badge. It drives like an M. It feels like an M. and makes funny noises um, that you know aren't like your typical M, but it still you know it makes these noises. And it is it just drove so well. And the inside, unlike the iX, where the inside feels like um, they took elements of the i3 and elements of what they've been showing off for years about like this more like uh, living room type interior, but they did it in a way that didn't feel too gimmicky it's nice and wood and you got crystals everywhere it feels like a it feels like a shop you would find in marin um <laughs> the i4 is is you get in it's like you wouldn't you're like oh it's just like getting in a four series it's it is yeah there's there's nothing really that it, that 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 different from what you would get from the i4 versus a four series and I prefer this over the four series. Really? Um, the four and the four series—they sell a ton of these things. Like the number one or number three selling BMW in the world, some top five or something. So they sell a ton of these sedans. So it makes sense for it to be the um, the first like proper BMW sedan. That's an that's an EV. But it also feels like the four series is kind of basic. It's kind of the, you know. I got the ba- you know I'm the I can't I want I I'm a little bit too old for a three series but I can't quite afford the five so you just kind of get the four the four is just like well eh, good enough it's the it's the Goldilocks of uh, BMWs You're like eh fine it's the um, just right temperature it's the OBS. just right for most people <laughs> it's but it's also but when you end up being the just right you also end up being sort of the basic version of BMW uh, the i4 I think as a as an EV it's just much better than the four series just. It's just funner to drive. You get that EV torque. Uh, it's quiet. 
um, like the IX, like you're on the Autobahn, you're going super fast and you don't realize it. So when you get it here in the United States, be very careful that you don't speed. And I think a lot of EVs have that problem where you don't, you're just like kind of like cruising along, you look down, you're doing like 20 miles over the speed limit. You're like, oh dear, let me slow down. Um, you know, you can do that with the I-4, but in Germany, it's fine as long as you, there's still speed limits on the Autobahn. I think people think it's just nonstop. Uh, unlimited, just do what you want. But There's those spots areas where it is nonstop unlimited. Yeah, there are spots, the but you but you spots. you go and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, here comes an interchange. So you have to slow down but for to those like a hundred. It's amazing. It's pretty great. Yeah, it it's pretty great. But it's also the first time you do it. If you travel to Germany, the first time you do it, it's very difficult not to be paranoid that you're going you know, <laughs> about the police. You're like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Because everything in your being as an American driver has been, if you speed, you're going to get pulled over. Where with the if I-4. You, if you go 120 miles an hour, somebody's going to throw you in jail. Yeah, you're going to jail, whereas in Germany, someone's pulling out of your way. Or you're pulling out of someone else's way because they're driving. I quick in Germany. I had like two seconds of like, wait, I'm going to go to jail. Wait. No, I am not. And like, <laughs> off I went. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get to drive the non-M version of the i4 no, as well? No, we or? only drove the M50. Okay. So, yeah. So we didn't, uh, yeah. Um, but it, it, you know, at peak horsepower, 536 horsepower, 586 pound feet of torque, which is, woo-wee, uh, the range, I'm sorry, I don't have my article up because this happened so long ago. Um, <laughs> uh, I think like it was over 200. Ago, it? Yeah, it was a long time ago. I have a lot of things that I've been doing recently where the embargo time is like a month, a month and a half, and you're just like, and then it goes live, and you're like, well, what is this? Did I drive this? Did, <laughs> did I, I do this? When did this happen? Uh, oh, man, I'm going to have to look it up. I really well, don't. Well, I, I couldn't even find the, anything on Engadget. I just I found the video on YouTube. That's a whole uh, other issue. With, yeah. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they're slant, there's Apple events. That's what's been happening oh, at Engadget I-4. Um, oh, I guess it's about 300 miles or so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what they were saying is, is around yeah. 300 miles. Um, Trying to find so, my script, I'm like, where's my script <laughs> on this? <laughs> you know, one of one of the complaints about BMW over the last you know 10 or 15 years is you know BMWs, especially the 3 Series, used to be renowned for their fantastic steering feel, and over the last couple of generations, that's kind of gotten progressively worse. How how did the steering feel on this one? You still get this, I mean, the, the i8, the steering felt like you're just playing a video game. Uh-huh. I mean, I like the i8 just because it's just wacky. I like the i8 and the i3 because someone said, hey, let's just make a, let's make a show car and then put it in production. I, I like that, that sort of, uh, just the, the, the outrageousness of both of those vehicles because of that. Um, the i4, the steering does feel a little video gamey. It does feel a little detached. You still drive by wire. Um, you know, I got the same... Feeling from the e-tron G, the um, the e-tron GT, where you, you it's not quite there. It's not you know you don't quite get the feedback that you really want as someone who's 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 doing uh, some dynamic driving. Um, but it's 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 definitely not a dealer breaker. It's definitely not like super detached like the IA felt. Um, and so it's it's there, but it's not as I mean it's it's not the two series. The two series, if you're the insane BMW enthusiast who still wants the ultimate driving machine. Well, you can't get the current generation, but you can get the previous generations with the manual transmission. Um, that's that's what you go for. That's the you know if you're that person, there's a car for you. 
if you don't buy the new one. <laughs> Just can't be new. <laughs> yeah. So you're a musician. What's your verdict on the Hans Zimmer soundtrack? I, you know, I, I like the idea of this additional um, sound because driving has always been this multi-sensory uh, experience. It's always the feel, you know, the, the feeling of, of, of steering and, and the, the, the throttle mapping. And if you have a clutch, the clutch and then shifting gears or, uh, you know, the, the G-forces and how you move and everything. And, and sound has always been a bit, has been part of that, you know, it depends on, and it doesn't matter if you're driving like a big throaty, you know, like a V8, or if you're driving a little, you know, four cylinder, you still hear something, you still have something that sort of attaches your, your ears to everything else that's going on. And the the soundtrack is it's fine. I kind of like it. It's it's you know it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I think people at some point there's going to be just this sort of division of people who like it and people who don't. You can turn it off if you don't like it. It's fine. Um, I kind of like it. Wee, you know, it's like these kind of almost. How's that go again? Wee. Um, so you can't just say we every time. Because your throat will get sore, so you need something that happens whenever you stop on the accelerator. So uh, yeah, you got Hans Zimmer, which is like you know, it's always uh, it's Hans Zimmer. What are you gonna do? I mean, if if, if anyone's gonna get Hans Zimmer, it's gonna be a BMW. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I like it. Um, I can totally see how people wouldn't like it. I think people get very um, sort of. Uh, stuck on the idea that it's fake. Uh, BMW has been sort of feeding fake sounds into their vehicles for a while now. So I wouldn't. Mm. Well, I think I would say it's probably less of a problem with something like this where it's authentically fake as opposed to like sort of the, the previous M5 where they were simulating actual engine noise and feeding that in, you know, whereas this, it's clearly not emulating anything natural. Yeah. It's spaceship fake. Yeah, <laughs> it's the bridge of the enterprise. <laughs> yeah, it's and, you know, and again, it's it's very much um, you know individual feel. Uh, I, I, I've talked to some people who like it. I've talked to some people who don't. Um, I'm sure there's going to at some point automakers are going to start selling uh, sound packs for their vehicles that you can get over the air, and there's going to be one where you can put in you know a big throaty V8 and um, even though from the outside it's all. <laughs> I want mine to make a George Jetson's car noise. Is it like, <laughs> yeah, they'll get, you know, they'll get some. Isn't Porsche already offering some sound packs for the Taycan? I don't or know. I, I'm supposed to get one in a few weeks. I'll see if if I can turn that on because I'll turn on all the sounds. I don't care. <laughs> Your review is just going to be like, okay, these 52 sounds, here, let me go over them with here you. Here are the 52 sounds. That's just one video. <laughs> just me. All right, next sound. Here we go. Uh, okay. Anything else on the i4? Uh, nope, I think that's it. I liked it. Um, if you're looking for an EV, if you're looking for a sedan, if you're thinking, oh, I should get a Tesla Model S, you should definitely try out the i4. If you're looking at Tycons, Teslas, e-trons, uh, yeah, get the i4. If you're looking for something a little bit less uh, outrageous, um, I think the i4 fits right there. Did, did you say what the price is going to be? Uh, a lot. No, hold on. <laughs> Did they give us a price? Again, this was like a month and something ago. So I am. Uh, let's see. Oh, it's uh, sixty. About sixty-seven thousand starting price for the M50. For the M50, which is wow, that's pretty good. Good job, BMW. 
nicely done. That's, that, yeah, that's really comes down to a good job, BMW. I always, whenever someone, whenever uh, I write an article and the people say, oh, thank you so much for that article, I'm like, don't thank me. Thank the engineers. I didn't do anything but write about the thing they did. <laughs> All right. Um, well, as I mentioned, I went to uh, Wisconsin last week to uh, the Midwest Automotive Media Association Rally, which is usually a spring event at Road America in Elkhart Lake. And they gather dozens and dozens of vehicles from a whole bunch of automakers and we get to spend a day and a half driving them on the track and on the street and doing some off-road for some of them and sometimes some autocross for other ones and so i got a chance to sample a whole bunch of different vehicles that i haven't had an opportunity to get into yet uh and i i also drove a bmw i drove the uh the m4 competition coupe on the track and that was really nice. I, I, I liked that a lot. I, I particularly like the color, um, which I what can't remember. What color was it? Do we have a it picture? Was a, it was a bright green, um, and I'll, I'll include a picture of that in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, I forget the, the official name of the color, but it, it's a really awesome color. Um, but uh, the, one of the things that intrigued me the most was I got to drive the new Mercedes S-Class. Uh, they had an S580 there. And um, one of the, you know, it had, you know, it has all the usual features that you expect on a high-end Mercedes-Benz, you know, lots of big screens and massaging seats and, you know, the seats that were the, the front seat, the driver's seat, the side bolsters move in and out as you're cornering. Oh, those always freak me out. I'm like, ah, stop hugging me, chair. Stop it. <laughs> I, know, I remember the first time I drove an S-Class, uh, an AMG S-Class with that about, I don't know, 14 years ago. And it, it definitely was a little weird. Um, but. One of the, the new features on this new S-Class is the augmented reality heads-up display. This is one of the first production applications of this. There's actually going to be a whole bunch of vehicles with this kind of system on there uh, coming out over the next year or so. The Cadillac Lyric's going to have it. Um, I think, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember who, I think the, the Kia EV6 might also have it. Uh, there, there's several other vehicles, but the, the Mercedes is the first. And so the way this differs from most heads-up displays until now is when you, when you use a, a HUD, uh, it's projecting the, the in, some of the instrumentation and other stuff, you know, things like your navigation prompts on the windshield. But it looks like it's floating out over the hood of the car, usually somewhere on the middle to the front edge of the hood. So when you're looking down the road, it's, it's out there, so you're not looking away from the road to see this information. But when you're using that, if you're using navigation, you know, it'll usually tell you, you know, when there's a turn coming up. Um, but you know, sometimes you, know, you still you're trying to figure out, okay, where exactly am I supposed to turn? Where's the street? And um, with these new HUD systems, they're actually able to project information that to your eyes appears to be in multiple different planes. So it look you can have like your speedometer and your blind spot monitor and turn signals and stuff show up, you know, floating over the middle of the hood. And then for your navigation, it actually shows up way down the road. 
Um, so it, it'll show up floating over the road that you're actually supposed to turn on. So as you, so it's actually going to, you're not going to have to figure it out. You're just going to get, as you get closer, as as you get closer, the arrows get bigger and bigger. Yeah. So as as you, as you start, as you get, as you approach it, you know, you have an arrow that's pointing down the road you're on and then it'll come up and rotate, you know, about 90 degrees in whichever direction you're supposed to turn. And then it expands into a row of like four arrows and it gets progressively larger as you approach it. And the, the Cadillac Escalade has this um, in, in, the, uh, the, in the instrument cluster. They've got this AR display and it does the same kind of thing, but it's not really as useful down in the cluster display where you've got to look down from the road. Uh, here, it, you know, it's, it actually appears to be floating over the road you know, at the point where, where you're supposed to turn. So it's actually really useful. And this is just one of the first applications of it. Uh, I think you know, one of the other things we're going to start to see uh, in some of these vehicles is uh, using the, like for the pedestrian detection systems. It will highlight when, when the camera, when the forward-facing camera sees a pedestrian, detects a pedestrian, will draw a box around the pedestrian and say, hey, watch out for this person stepping out into the road. Uh, so it's, it's actually really cool. I, I really like the idea of this and, and at least in this Mercedes, it seemed to work really well. So you actually tried the navigation thing and you felt yeah. like yeah. where the arrow was like, yeah, the street is there. And as you got closer, yeah. it yep. was showing. So it really worked, huh? Yeah, yeah it did. And, um, it's, you know, of course, very actually, impressive. Yeah. Get, getting, getting the, the heads up display to turn on was another story entirely. Oh, I spent several <laughs> minutes looking around trying to figure out, because usually there's a button on the dashboard, you know, it's labeled HUD or you know, something like that. And you press the button and it, tur- it turns on the HUD. You know, and if you, don't, if you don't want to use it, you can turn it off. And I never did find a button to turn it on. And I looked in the menus and the screens. And then I said, well, let's try uh, MBUX. And I said, hey, Mercedes, turn on the HUD. Boom. There it was. It actually worked. <laughs> finally, a voice recognition. Finally, voice recognition actually solved a problem instead the of... The promise of voice, yes. voice recognition has been did, fulfilled. Finally realized. Did, 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 you, did you get to try the AR HUD when you drove the uh, S-Class and the... Uh the EQS? Yeah, yeah. So um, when I drove the the S class, um, I think these are slightly pre-production or early production models. So the HUD had a little bit of a stuttering, the 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 arrows, and I and I went in my video. I said, I'm like, I think this 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 is probably an issue with these are very new vehicles. There's probably there's probably going to be an update. You know, whenever you do these these first drives for these vehicles, especially the early first drives, there's there's always something weird. There's always something weird, and you sort of like you got to kind of take the temperature of the automaker you're dealing with and see whether or not this is something that's going to make it into full production or something uh, that is just sort of some weirdness. And so when I drove the EQS a few months later, it, that was gone. Any sort of like little stuttering, anything like that uh, was gone. And it is, it's great, and it's really great when you're in Europe and you have to use roundabouts. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Because I've learned um, on my last trip that roundabouts with voice, uh, like when someone's telling you, are just horrible. I had to t- turn off the voice because I always took the wrong round exit on the roundabout if I was using voice. If I looked at the map, I was fine. <laughs> but it's like, but because it's always a little late or whatever. But when you have the arrows, the arrows because it's right there, it's in your 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 um, 
your, your line of sight. You can see it. It tells you where to go. You don't have to look down. You're not looking over to the side. It's great. I really, I really think it's, 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 it's outstanding. I think it's, um, you know, more cars going to have this as, you know, obviously Mercedes is going to start pushing this down the, into the rest of the lineup, but other automakers are going to start doing this. And, um, you know, it, it, it was cool when they had it in the, in the, in the infotainment screen where it sort of like showed up and it helped you. Uh, but it's, uh, I don't know. I think, I feel like it's a hundred times better now that it's in the uh, heads up display. And it's, you know, you have to have essentially like, I think you have to have stereoscopic. I don't know. You have to have all the sensors working together in order for this system to work correctly. Because if one of them's off or whatever, it's, it, doesn't take into the into account like death perception and figuring out like you know it essentially has to place a, a you know in in real time the system has to find a point and which where those arrows need to be and anchor those yeah, arrows it has to, to that anchor point. those arrows to that and then do the whole animation and then sort of go left go right go wherever yeah and mercedes uses uh, a stereo camera system on the front um so they can do some of that depth perception with with the two cameras that are the two forward-facing cameras yeah so um yeah no it was it was a good system i was i was really impressed with it there were no roundabouts in wisconsin where i was driving so i didn't get a chance to try that out but uh but uh, i was impressed i'm looking forward to using it on more vehicles uh, in the coming years there are two roundabouts within walking distance of my house in new hampshire so if i ever get that i will have to give them a try bam see well, there's lots of roundabouts here in the Ann Arbor area, so if I can ever get into a Mercedes around here again, right, then, right. then uh, I'll definitely try it here. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Oh, uh, another thing that I drove when I was in uh, Wisconsin was the uh, the Maverick. I got to actually drive Ooh. the Maverick and the Santa Cruz back-to-back. And what you think back-to-back? Uh it was, it's interesting. You know, the, the Santa Cruz, when you look at it, it, it looks a lot more premium uh, you know, it, it looks more upscale. You know, of course, you know, when you get into it and you, you actually start touching the surfaces, it's, it's the same interior that's in the Tucson. So it looks nice, but it is a lot of hard plastics. And, you know, so it doesn't, doesn't feel quite as nice as it looks. Um, and, you know, whereas the, the Maverick, you know, it's all hard plastics too, but it's, I mean, it's basic. You know, it, it looks basic, but it's solid. You know, it, it feels utilitarian. And, yeah, I mean, for, for something that starts at 20 grand, it, it's perfectly acceptable. Um, you know, and I, I like driving both. Um, but I think, you know, I would probably, depending on what people were looking for, you know, I would probably recommend the Maverick, um, you know, because it does have some of those neat features inside, like the, the cutouts for mm-hmm. the big water Which bottles really in the cool. doors. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the you know the the notches in the bed to you know to do your DIY bike racks and things does like that. that. But Hyundai does the Santa Cruz have some bed fanciness too? Why do they, I have this they, they do. they do. But you have to buy accessories. Oh, where you can like just uh, throw two by four and create yeah. things in the in a piece of plywood, and you've done it in the Maverick if you don't want to buy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the the other thing, of course, you know, is that at the twenty thousand dollars starting price in the Maverick, you get a forty mile per gallon hybrid. Whereas, you know, the best you're going to do in a Santa Cruz, even with the base engine, I think is like 26 or 27. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, so it's, it's a lot more fuel efficient. So, you know, the, the Santa Cruz is more stylish. You know, the, the, the Maverick looks more basic. Uh, they both drive pretty well. You know, no, no real complaints there. Um, and and the, the, the one real, the, 
the one complaint that I think is unconscionable on Ford's part with the Maverick is why the twenty thousand dollar one does not have does not have cruise control. Oh, it doesn't have cruise. I did not know that. You have to step up to the XLT to get cruise control. How much more do you have? What's the difference between pricing? Uh, it starts about twenty three and a half, I think, for an so XLT. That's a pretty big jump if you're really looking yeah. like, at that price point. Yeah. Thirty thousand dollars is a big difference. Right, and the and the thing is, the only thing they have to add for cruise control is the button on the steering wheel, because modern cruise con- you know modern vehicles all have throttle by wire systems, um, you know, so there's not any hardware that's added except for that button on the steering wheel. It has automatic, automatic emergency stopping, so it has sensors in front. Yeah, it's got all that. Oh. And, but it, it, doesn't, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have radar, so it's not, um, it's not adaptive cruise control. It's just yeah. standard. But, you, I mean, you don't even get stand, basic cruise control for that $20,000. Really? Yeah. With, so, so, I mean, really, they're, they're clearly, they're clearly thinking, okay, people are going to look at this. Oh, there's, I have to get an XLT? Okay, fine. I'll spend the extra three or $4,000 and get the XLT. Would you spend $3,000, $4,000 for cruise control? What else? Do you I get any other nifty goodies? The, like yeah, there, there are. Goodies on the XLT? There, there are some other features. I don't remember them all. Um, but there, you do get some other stuff for that money, for that extra money. But still, if you really money. want cruise control, you spot, that's, a lot, that's a lot of money yeah. to have yeah. to spend to get that feature. Yeah, it is. So I, th- I think Ford should have uh, should have included cruise control in the base model in the XL, but other than that, it's good. I like it a lot. So, um, all right. Uh, next up, there was a study that AAA did. Um, the Auto Club of South Cal- Southern California, um, which seems like an odd place to be doing this particular kind of study, but but they did. Um, they they did a test of ADAS systems, uh, driver assist systems like automatic emergency braking and lane keeping assist, and so on, um, in bad weather. So they they simulated rain and and other stuff. Um, at their their test stuff. facility, yeah, exactly. It doesn't it doesn't rain in California, so they had to simulate all that. It kind of um, rained yesterday, guys. Come on, kind of rained, rained what, for it dropped fall out of the sky and scare everyone. One dropped, and we got super excited. And everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, rain!" We were just like, "Yeah, it's gone." <laughs> so you know they 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 did a test where they use. Um, uh, one of these uh, inflatable cars that they, they make, you know, for testing purposes, um, for testing things like automatic emergency braking and forward collision alert. Um, they did tests at 25 and 35 miles an hour, and they found that with, uh, with rain, it, uh, about one-third of the time at 35 miles an hour, the test vehicles uh, actually collided with the stopped vehicle. They ran into wow. the back of it. They did not stop in time. Um, and... Uh, for the lane keeping assist, uh, it departed the lane about 69% of the time uh, going, going around cor- curves. Yeah. Because the, the cameras get obscured that you, you can't so get if rain is that bad. Can you just imagine what snow would do to those numbers? Yeah. Uh, it would be a hundred percent. Gosh. Uh, and you know, I, I know this having not having actually run into anybody with these systems, but I, um, you know what what typically happens with uh, with snow in particular, snow and slush, is uh, when the systems will just simply deactivate. You'll get an alert saying, "Hey, you got to clean the sensors. You know, adaptive cruise control is not going to work. You know, or 
um, the collision alert, collision warning is not going to not going to work because I can't see. I had a vehicle during the winter when you get that very, and if you live somewhere where it snows, you know this. There's certain snow that just snows and it's whatever, and there's other snow you you drive for five minutes and it creates this like just packed snow and ice that's stuck under the front of your car. That's oh, like, yeah, like, really wet snow. Yeah, and it's it just... like, it takes like two minutes for the splashback from like the highway and everything to do that. And I was driving an SUV, perfectly fine SUV within truly five minutes. That happened. And when I got where I was going, I took a picture of the front of it because you could see where some of the sensors and things and all you can see is this nasty, slushy mess. And I put up, this is why many of these cars really aren't ready for prime time because this technology can't, it can't overcome that. It just can't. The poor OEM apparently got, somebody saw it higher up in the ranks is like, she's mad at our car. I'm like, I didn't even name your car. I'm like, I, but yeah, but we could see the logo on the kind of uh, sort of on the side. And if the car isn't working right, I'm like, no, it's not that your car wasn't working right. It's that no car works right when that happens. They all do that. It doesn't matter whether you're a cheapy car or an expensive car. None of them work right when you get snow. I spend the entire winter months constantly like taking my thumb to clean off sensors and stuff on the front of the car. Yeah, same same here. I, um, a few years ago, I was driving uh, a Hyundai Sonata that had adaptive cruise control. Uh, you know, I was using that. It was the morning after it snowed, so the, it wasn't snowing at that point, but there was slush on the road that was getting thrown up. And after about 10 minutes, um, you know, enough slush had built up on the radar sensor. Normally, you know, radar, unlike cameras, radar can see through rain and fog and stuff. But if you get enough slush and ice building up on the sensor, then it, it, get, it does get obscured. And, you know, got an alert, said, hey, you know, system's disengaging. You've got to clean off the sensor. And I've had this happen with camera systems. One time I was sitting in a parking lot waiting to pick up my kid after work. Um, and it was snowing. And um, I was just sitting there. I was the, the vehicle was not moving. But the snow was coming down hard enough that it was constantly triggering the sonar sensors, the ultrasonic sensors for the parking assist. You know, so the, the, the sensors that beep as you're getting too close to something. Just sitting there, the snow was triggering the ultrasonic sensors. Beware, snow and so I had to find the, find, find the park assist button and, and turn that right off because it was driving me crazy. Um, so... You know, and and this is you know this is also a problem with um, automated vehicles, autonomous vehicles. You know, you've got to have if you're going to have a system that is going to drive the car without a human that can take over when these you know when the sensors get obscured, you've got to be able to keep the sensors clean, which is why no Tesla built to date will ever be level five capable because it can't drive autonomously in the snow because it can't keep the cameras clean. Yeah, it has nothing to keep I the think cameras unless clean. You drive, unless you live someplace, like if you live in California, someplace where you don't really get that kind of weather, you think, oh, well, I'm sure it happens. No, it literally the winter months, those systems have a conniption fit constantly. You're constantly getting warnings that things aren't working. And like you said, if you're driving an autonomous car, then you're you're done. Like your car's going to be, I'm sorry, I'm pulling over. There's a snowflake like this. You can't have that kind of driving if for how frequently it happens. It's not rare. It's all the time. Right. And, and even in a place like California or you know, uh, other places you know, in the summertime, when you get insects, you get clouds of insects and you're driving along you know, and your windshield is splattered with dead yeah. bugs. You know, those dead bugs are also in front of the cameras, yeah. um, which is why you know, these companies, these other companies developing autom automated driving are incorporating sensor cleaning systems. This is why Waymo, a few years ago, they put out a, a little video. I don't know if you saw it. They uh, oh, developed a little, 
washer washer wiper system. I didn't see that. So for the the dome on the the roof for the the rooftop lidar, they have um, a couple of wipers that come up. It's the washers spray it. The wipers sweep around a couple of times around the dome to clean it off, and then they retract back into the. So you need to have wipers that can just like come out of all. Like you have wipers on headlights and stuff. They like pop yeah. out of all the areas where the sensors and the radar and the carriage like whoosh, clear everything off and then pop back away. Yeah, the yeah. IX has that. The IX has a, a sensor uh, camera cleaners on the front and the back. So you get the front and the rear yeah. camera. You push a little button, it's all... And it right, and it's also and got uh, heating elements in front of the the sensor, the cameras behind the windshield to, to keep ice from building up on there. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Because that, that's, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, Nicole, living in New Hampshire, you know, in the wintertime, you know, even, you know, when your wipers are working, you know, and they're clearing off snow at the... At the ends of the wiper blades, you know, that's that's where you have the least pressure on the blade. Yeah. And so there's always a bit of snow and ice there. So a lot of times, you know, it'll be sweep. The wipers will be sweeping in front of the cameras, but they can't get the snow off of there or yeah. the ice. Yeah. Well, and you yeah. do, and you get that buildup of ice on the blade very, very quickly. And it's 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 a large buildup. Like it's one of those things you get out and you have to, like, snap the windshield wipers against the windshield to get it to just yep. knock off and to get it all out. Yeah. Yeah. It's the second that happens, you're obscuring anything that that wiper is going in front of, and it makes a mess. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, if you're driving in bad weather conditions or, you know, winter weather or whatever, you know, make sure you check your wipers from time to time, clean your wipers, clean off your sensors, um, you know, so that all this stuff can continue working. It's 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 up there with the, I mean, the Mercedes Level 3 system, It's it's a highway system. Um, that they're launching in Germany, then eventually in the United States. Uh, it doesn't work in the rain. If it rains, they're like, nope, it doesn't work. They're just very <laughs> upfront about. It. They're like, we, we're not going to, we're not going to, because they say that they, they say that the vehicle is responsible if something happens. And so they're like, nope. If it rains, nope. Which is funny because it rains a lot in Germany. <laughs> yeah. This vehicle um, works two days a year. Have a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's get into a few listener questions. Uh, Dan Vesma asked on Twitter, uh, big multi-day trip across the country in no rush, free choice of any car currently for sale in the U.S. What keys are you picking up? Something comfortable? Something fast? Something electric? Oof. Wait, I'm driving across the whole country, did he cross say? Cross country trip. Cross country well, From we LA did that. LA to New York. We did that in about that? Stelvio, and I got to say, it was not half bad. But let me think. Hmm. Hmm. Gosh. Oh, I think I know what I. What would you pick? Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me, give me a second. I don't know. What about you, Sam? What would you pick? Do you know? Oh, uh, I think for for a cross country trip, I would definitely lean towards comfortable. Um, I don't know if I would at this point yet necessarily go for electric um maybe in a in a few years i think but um so something like uh you know an uh you know an audi a6 or a7 um i think would be really nice something big and comfy uh but you know very stable you know high speed stability um you know or you know maybe a bmw 5 series uh, something like that, I think would also be a good uh, cruiser. It, I think it depends on the route too. I mean, if you're if you're taking the interstates, you know, then I think something like a, a big German cruiser would be a, a, a good choice. Um, if I was 
sticking to back roads, you know, and taking multiple weeks to make the trip. Um, I, I think I might choose something like a Miata or, um, let's see, or, you know, maybe, maybe a BRZ or a, a GR86. I'm trying to decide. I feel like I'd be the small crossover person. I'm trying to decide which one, just because I know I would never stick to the highway the whole time. And I want to be able to turn down that random dirt road that there's some thing at the end of that I want to go see randomly. Like I'm the person to oh. the like. Like, hey, there's a farm stand that has whatever. I'm like, I have to go see this now, and I will drive down the road. So I think a crossover is just enough so that I can handle getting down some dirt roads and stuff and buy the weird random tchotchke that I'm going to find at the end of that dirt road at that farm stand or whatever. Um, but I don't know which one. I feel like a Mazda would be a good choice. Yeah, yeah a CX-5, yeah, like I think even like a CX-30. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe that might work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Except there's no touchscreen. No touch oh, Mazda. Oh, you set me up. I forgot that it was a stupid touchscreen. Wait, right off the list. Damn you, Sam. No, right off the list. I need something like that, but with a touchscreen. What would I what GLA. Is it? What you need is a GLA, the AMG GLA. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. I drove go. one of those to LA and back, and it it went through a lot of gas, but it was it was it, it made me not hate. It was I don't I'm not a fan of SUVs as personally. Um, I, I, I understand why people like them. I understand why people buy them. Um, it was very the G- fun to the drive. The AMG GLA is low enough that it's yeah. really a car. It's, it's a it's hot a, hatch. It's a, it's a hatch. Like, yes, yeah. like a hot hatch, but not so That's, hot hatch that you feel like you're driving across the entire country. You need a little bit of comfy. It has to be fun, but it has to be comfy. It's still a Mercedes, and yeah. Mercedes is all about, like, we're going to give you both. Yes. See, that's, I think I, that's their I deal. So maybe Mercedes. Yeah, I feel like that would work. What would you What would you say, Robbie? The Porsche 718 Boxster GTS4. Wow. Because I drove that. I, I love that car. I drove it uh, last year. Um, and it was just so nice. And I really, and here's a weird thing. I fit into sports seats. Like sports seats are the most comfortable seats for me. Like most of the time when I get into an SUV and it has like, oh, these seats are supposed to be comfortable, I'm always just like, I can never, I never feel comfortable. But you put me in a sport seat, I'm happy. always like, Cause it's just, yeah, I'm very happy. Uh, it's, it's a convertible. It's quick. It's, uh, I drove it from Palm Springs to LA. So on the freeway, it's, it, it wasn't, you know, it didn't rattle my teeth out, but when I wanted to go fast, when I did find a side road and I did want to do fun things, I could. And driving cross country in a convertible just sounds outstanding. I've driven cross country a couple times. Um, and I'm a big fan of, of long road trips. And I like the idea of just, I think I would, it's, it's the best, it's the next best thing to ride in a motorcycle. I, cross country. Like I want the crossover cause I'm thinking about what I would do, but if I'm just like literally thinking about the drive, um, I still, I, I love the Julia. I love driving that car. I could, I could, say there, yeah. I could drive yeah. that forever and ever and ever. So if I'm like, that's a nice sporty, but as long as you don't go quadrifoglio, cause then they have the seats that you like, Robbie, they're a little bit too stiff and huggy i don't like them quite that huggy but i i could drive the julia from new york to la no problem that would be fun i couldn't That's drive a good... off in a dirt road anywhere but it would be really fun well, i love well, it yeah. then you go back to the stelvio go back to the stelvio so basically, basically the same yeah. thing you do it in the car i did it in is what we're finding yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back well i like the stelvio then we go through 12 other cars and then just return to the stelvio <laughs> <laughs> uh all right Next question uh, comes from Adam Jackalenko, and this is the one I was mentioning earlier when when uh, uh, I think Robbie was uh, talking. Uh, 
Um, why, why don't automakers have a more organized system to obtain feedback from their customers? I'd love it if they dedicate some resources to a community forum for verified customers to provide feedback and enhancement requests. Instead, it seems like owners are left to figure out on their own what the best method is to give feedback, and even if they have no way of knowing if anyone at the company ever sees it. Example, I love my Mustang Mach-E, which has a powered trunk, but no physical button anywhere in the cabin to open or close it. There's only a software button buried three levels deep in the infotainment. I'd love it if there was a forum on Ford's site where I could suggest they make it easier to access in a future OTA update or at least consider a physical button for next year's model. The other fellow owners could upvote or downvote it, but in reality, if I actually wanted to suggest this to Ford, I have no idea what the best method it is. Seems like less than ideal just to tweet at Jim Farley and hope he sees it. <laughs> well, actually, you might be surprised. You might, wanna, you might be, be surprised, surprised actually. You share stuff that the automakers... See, I mean, they're paying attention yes. to like their yeah. Twitter feeds. It's not might not be Jim that's looking at it, but like somebody's looking at that Twitter, and they take a surprising amount of the information when customers email or you know tweet or whatever, and they're like, everybody hates this. We did this wrong. Like they they yeah. do actually notice that. So even though they might not be saying to you, hey, thanks for the feedback, we noticed that, if you make complaints to them or suggestions, they do see that stuff, and it does impact what happens in future products because every now and then you will be sitting you guys can vouch for this you'll be sitting at something and they'll say hey we changed this because customers said they hated this thing or customers said they found this fiddly so we changed it this way so they do listen to what you say and if enough people say the same thing they go okay this is this is a thing we have to address yeah and you know at ford uh mike levine who's the director of North American product communications. Uh, I know he spends a lot of time on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and he often responds to customer stuff. Um, they, you know, they have dedicated social media teams that, that all, all these companies do. They have social media teams that monitor for things like that. And, you know, it, how well at any given company, how well some of that actually gets back to engineering and product planning versus to, the marketing folks is questionable, uh, but there there are people that are looking and listening for this stuff. And I think if you if you target the right people, um, you can sometimes get a response, like Mike or Jim Farley or Emma Berg. Uh, you know, if you're if you're you know, tweeting about the the Maki, e. um, but there are um, you know there are others as well that are watching this stuff. But I think I think you're. Your overall question is right, though, or your request that it would be nice, you know, if automakers had some sort of dedicated place um, that was just for owners, for you know, for registered owners, you know, so you don't, you're not going to have, hopefully, not have trolls in there. You know, it'll be a place for the people that have actually bought the vehicle. You can, you know, sign in. I mean, you've you've probably got a, a Ford Pass account, a Ford, you know, Ford owner account already anyway for your Ford Pass. You log in with that. Uh, you know, and that, that authenticates you with your vehicle VIN number, things like that. Um, and to have um, have a, a place like that where you can ask questions, um, you know, make make comments, make suggestions, I think would probably be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. It would be nice to have that. I wonder how how uh, hard that would be for them to moderate. I suppose less hard if it's a, if they verify that you're an owner somehow. Yeah. That yeah. would be the trick. You don't want to have just yeah. anybody because then you'll have a troll's like, oh, Ford sucks. It's like, okay, that's not helpful. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Should have got a model Y. Like, All right. <laughs> 
Uh, unless someone bought a Maquis just to say that, they're like, wow, that's that's dedication I to trolling. I mean, I guess so I fine. Can troll you. Okay, thanks for your money. All Have right. a nice day. Um, <laughs> I know. I mean, they do talk to, to, to owners and they always say, well, based on owner feedback, blah, blah, blah. So that's such a small, you know, they find some people via survey and ask them some questions. They call them on the phone or whatever. I don't think it's, and I think sometimes, like, sometimes they're like, oh, well, owners didn't like this. And you're like, really? What about this other three, these other three things that like we all pointed to in your last generation and this, with this refresh, you could have gotten rid of, That's but you didn't. That's the weird thing when you have like, and I think about that when you have, it feels like everybody will complain about a thing, like say the trunk release being buried in all those menus and like every owner will suddenly comp- complain about it. And every journalist is like, this is the worst thing ever. And they refresh it. They're like, oh no, we left that there. And you're like, come on. Come on. We all hated that. <laughs> But the 100 customers we talked to, and also like a place where you learn how to do things. We had a CRV for a little while. Um, and before we sold it to, uh, before we sold it, we didn't know that there was a there was a button like hidden that you could open the trunk with inside the car. We'd always had like we'd always get out, open the trunk <laughs> like manually. And on the day we were like cleaning it out to sell it, I found the button <laughs> on that day, and I had looked for it before. And if I had had a, a, a if there was like a nice forum instead of just randomly searching online like a dedicated forum, then it would have been you great. Because sometimes. Sometimes you find a YouTube video and it takes 10 minutes to get to the thing that said the video, the YouTube video will say it does. They were like, Hey, we have this. Hey, if you want to, if you like more of these, like, and something like, Oh my God, just get to the point for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For, for the things I've, all the things I've complained about with Tesla and Elon Musk, you know, that is one thing that they have done really, really well is they're, uh, you know, or at least Elon has, you know, in terms of he, you know, he will respond to people on Twitter, you know. So if you've, if you've got a complaint, you know, he will respond, and and oftentimes things will get changed in, a, in an upcoming OTA update. And now that you know other manufacturers are doing OTA updates, so, something like this is something that could change. And actually, on the Mach E GT, I don't know if they how much they talked about it when you were there, Robbie, but um, you know they they talked about uh, the new. OTA update for the Sync 4 system in there, where they've they've made some revisions to the graphics. You know, uh, in, increase the size of some of the touch targets. They moved some things around uh, to make based on feedback they were getting. Uh, you know about how to use it. So you may well see that you know the the, the trunk release you know move up to a, a higher level in the the Sync interface in a coming update. It could. Or, or it never. might never happen. No, 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 no. You know. yeah. we'll never. Who knows? Yeah. Tweet it's, Michael it's, Lee. It's, it's, one, it's one of those little annoyances that's going to drive you insane for the entire time you own the car. <laughs> yeah. Every time someone's like, I can't open the trunk from the inside. I got to go to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs> and everyone who gets in the car is like, what do you, what do you, it's just one thing. You're like, ah, but it's, ah. I hate it. <laughs> Someone said I was nitpicky uh, for a review I did. And I'm like, that's my job to be nitpicky because the thing that I find like a little bit annoying, that's going to be someone for five years well, with that true. car. The nitpicky thing that like if, it, if it's enough to bother us in a week long loan or like a six hour first drive, if it's enough to really make us like think not, like like not having cruise control, like not having cruise control, you know that that's going like if you lived with that, if it could bother us in that short amount of time, pretty good chance it's going to bother other people when it's you live with it every others. day. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last question from Bryn Barenhausen. Uh, will it be possible to retain the wrenching, be-your-own-mechanic car culture with the transition to EVs? Will right-to-repair influence how EVs are developed? What about EV kits for converting older classic cars? 
<sighs> yes. I, you know what? I think there was, I mean, I remember in the 90s when computers, they like started, in, you know, 80s, but I remember in the 90s, like, like all the people who are my parents' age are like, oh, you can't work on modern cars because they're all computerized. And you'd open the car and I'm like, what are you talking about? There's everything that's in your car, except now I don't have to fight with a carburetor. Um, I think it's a bit, I think with, with EVs, it's become very, very, you know, it's, they're, they're very closed systems. Um, I think what's going to happen is you're going to end up with this sort of, uh, like tuner, uh, world where people are, mm-hmm. you remember when people are chipping cars? I mean, you can still yep. chip cars, yeah. but I think you're, you're going to get people once a car has been paid for, once it's out of warranty, they're going to start chipping these EVs. They're going to start doing these very weird, uh, uh, things to them. Uh, using you know their computers, which people have been doing since the 90s, really, especially in the um, the import tuner uh, scene. You know, people were. I remember there was an article where people were. It was more interesting to watch that than to watch like pony cars race because they'd be sitting there and tweaking it and tweaking it, and then they'd like fire two cylinders at once, and then oh, well, that was the end of that. You know, it's just really <laughs> weird things because you know it was like all this fine tuning in addition to all the mechanical stuff. So I think it's going to be more, you know, nerder nerdery. Um, when it comes to it, but you know, especially with the EV kits that are available now, you can buy an EV kit now from EV West. You're going to see a lot of like really weird and a lot of really fascinating and, and, and a lot of fun, like conversions coming. And then, you know, probably about five, 10 years, once these cars start falling out of warranty and stuff and you know, the, the, the parents are giving them to their kids and their kids are like, Oh yeah, I got the <laughs> iPhone with the new, you know, there's an app I can download and I can interface with the car and now I'm going to blow up the motor. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I just think the wrenching is just not necessarily going to involve a wrench at some point. It's going to involve, yeah. you know, keyboard and code and you're going to, and chips and you're going to do it that way. But it's just, there'll still be a way for people to, like you said, to, to play around and, and accidentally break their cars and have all sorts of fun doing it, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and it, it doesn't matter if your propulsion is coming from a battery pack or a gas tank, you know, your car still has systems like brakes. You've got suspension. Um, you know, you, you've got, you know, a lot of other bits and pieces that you can customize and modify, um, you know, so you can change the handling characteristics. And then, of course, you know, there's also the software stuff. You can give it a new soundtrack. You know, you can create your own soundtrack. You know, get a, get a uh, garage band and, you know, create, create your own soundtrack for your car. Remap the uh, throttle. Yeah. I mean, oh, there's, man. There's going to be some be really interesting things. And then, you know, for the, like you said, you know, companies like EV West, you know, for the really hardcore, you know, taking vintage cars, you know, the next generation of resto mods, you know, it, it is instead of putting modern engines into 1950s and 60s cars, now we're going to be putting electric powertrains into those cars, you know, or cars of the 80s and 90s um, and, and modifying those. And there's already some, some interesting ones, you know, a lot of interesting ones being done. I mean, a lot of people, there have been a lot of conversions of old Porsche 911s. Uh, to EVs, those those are very well suited to uh, to EV conversions. Um, you know, old Beetles, um, and there's going to be conversion kits for all kinds of different cars. Uh, and you know, somewhere down the road, if you know, when it becomes more difficult to get find liquid fuel, um, you know, you may want to consider you know getting an old car and, and doing an EV conversion on it. So there's there's still going to be opportunities to play around with oh, this yeah. stuff. People will still find a play, way to play around with it, no matter what. No matter how the tech changes, it'll just change how they play, but they'll still play. Yeah. 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 If you want to see some really cool, especially Volkswagen and Porsche-based uh, resto mods, look up Z-Electric Motors. They're based out of San Diego. They've been doing this for a long, long time. I ended up meeting one of the co-founders once at uh, 
at Pebble Beach, and they have just these. They're very expensive, but they have these really great like uh, rest. You know, restorate, restore, restorated, restorated, <laughs> restored. Uh, you know, Beatles and buses and uh, Porsches, and they're all powered with electricity, and they they look great. And if you've ever owned a Beetle or a Bug or whatever you want to call it, a Super Beagle, Super Bug. Um, you know that if you own that car, you that's a car you know how to work on because you don't have a choice. Um, the idea of having a, a, a great classic car that you don't have to wrench every three days um, is very appealing to me, to be honest. I've had an old car, and I've had an old car that's broken down on me in a lot of places and a lot of bad times. <laughs> and uh, that car, if I can ever get it back from the person who owns it now, I'm definitely going to try to shove a, an EV powertrain in there. And you know, there's there's some going to be some very interesting EV powertrains available. You know, with full self-driving Teslas that crash into walls and other barriers. So <laughs> there'll be lots of parts available from those to scavenge to put into these other cool cars. Plus, crate engines or crate yeah. motors from well, GM yeah, that, and Ford. That, yeah, that's that's the other thing. You know, um, both GM and Ford have announced uh, crate motor. Uh, kits that are coming, um, you know, that you'll be able to uh, get a, a motor, uh, power electronics, and a battery pack that you can stuff into various kinds of vehicles. So, all right. Anything else for this week? I don't think so. All right. Well, then we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.